Welcome back to Locked in My Office. I'm Shane, and in this episode, I've got special guest Lauren Husted to help out, and we're talking with Holly Hassel, um, a professor at Michigan Tech who just recently was on Jeopardy for actually the third time. And so um, we kind of discuss what it looks like to prepare for something like that and kind of some of the things that happen behind the scenes. And also uh, we take a look at, you know, just other stuff like, uh, you know, productivity and things like that. So um, it's a really good conversation. And next week you can look forward to my episode talking with members of the Daily Bull. So that should be interesting. And always remember that if you have a friend, a colleague, a professor, whoever may be around the Keweenaw area or on campus or whatever, um, if you'd like to recommend them, <coughs> excuse me, for a uh, for a podcast episode, that would be great. And you can do that at oberloier.com slash limo oberlawyer.com slash limo and you can make that recommendation would super appreciate it so thanks for listening and without further ado so here we are um yeah we don't we have an audience so i'm the only person that gets to applaud anyways locked in my office and i'm here with holly holly why don't you introduce yourself hi i'm holly hassel i am a professor in the humanities department uh and i Started uh, my position here at Michigan Tech in uh, fall 2023. So coming up on, I guess, six months about. Wow. Yeah. And then we've got a returning guest host, Lauren, over here. Um, super awesome to have yeah. you back. I've only been here for about a year, so we're both pretty new. All right, yeah. newbies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And the reason we're gathered here today is, um, so Holly, you recently had a exciting thing, right? You were... You were on Jeopardy. I was. I was a contestant. I guess a contestant for the third time on. on wait, it's the third time. Third? Yeah. Oh wait, I thought second. it was only the second time. Well, it's the third game that I've played. That's gotcha. what I mean. I guess. Yes. Um, yeah, Jeopardy. Uh, you know, colon America's favorite quiz show. I believe is their tagline. Um, and wait, should I just start talking about that? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Whatever right. you want to say. Okay. Um, yeah, so I uh, recently returned from the um, Jeopardy uh, Champions wildcard tournament um, filmed in Culver City uh, because I had previously played um, early um, summer, uh, had an episode that aired last year in the summer and won. I can officially add Jeopardy Champion to my, you know, business cards. Wait, are gonna, is, it, is it on your resume or are you going to put it on your resume? I definitely have a little section where you do? I say like other accomplishments. Yeah, yeah. you got to put that on there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's other stuff on there too. Like, I don't remember <laughs> yeah. what, but um, yeah. And yeah, so I played two games when I was there, obviously, because you win and then you play another one. Um, and then That's right. yeah, okay. the, uh, yeah, this time through was a kind of an invite, uh, an invitational where if you had previously won a game during season 39, uh, you came on and um, competed to be part of the Tournament of Champions, gotcha. which is already kind of set. Can you, you know, so I, I went to the, the watch party and um, I was actually surprised that someone was there that wasn't familiar with Jeopardy. Um, and so 
Yeah, no, they're... Yeah. Yeah, can, mean, you, can, yeah. you, can you explain just okay. real quick, like, what Jeopardy is or what that scene Sure. Is? So Jeopardy, America's favorite quiz show, uh, has been around for decades and decades and decades, right? I mean, uh, I, I don't know the whole history of it, but 70s, 60s? Art Fleming, I think, was the original host. Most people associated with Alex Trebek, who was the host for pretty much from the 80s on out. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's a televised game show that's got a unique question and answer format, right? Yeah. So you get six categories. Um, they usually have some, like, hook or commonality. And they're f they're, what they say is that they provide you with clues, right? So it's usually a statement of some kind or a word, and you have to answer in the form of a question. Like, so figuring out what it is that they're looking for. So they might be, like, um, a big fat tabby. And you're like, what is a cat? You know, so. Gotcha. Um, you know, I, I hope this doesn't upset you, but like, I've always kind of felt like I, I never understood why you had to answer in the form of a question. Oh. Like it, it just, it just seems kind of gimmicky. I, I, I'm not trying yeah, to be. Yeah, no, no. I wonder. I mean, yeah. I don't actually know the history of why that is, or even how yeah. that started. But um, I think it's partly because it adds like a dim, another you know, sort of creative cognitive dimension to the gameplay. Oh, that like, it's just like one more challenge, I suppose, in addition to like the knowledge and the speed and the, you know, is this idea of this like kind of specific format. Yeah. It's kind of like branding too. Yeah. Like you're going to know, yeah, yeah. like if somebody says, even if somebody just poses a question and someone responds, what is yeah. X? Like you're going to be like, oh, that's from Jeopardy. Everybody knows yeah. that's Jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like right. a brand propagation thing because yeah. now like, people think in terms of that like as a joke. Yeah. You know? yeah, I mean, it's just become part of the culture, yeah. Yeah. What's the word zeitgeist mean? Uh, spirit of the times. Spirit of the times. What oh, is okay. spirit of the okay. times? You should say, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. the definition uh, of the word, of the spirit of the times. Yeah, what is zeitgeist? Yeah, because I, I, was, I was thinking about that word the other day, and I feel like, like yeah. Jeopardy and like the what is thing is kind of part of the zeitgeist yeah. kind of a little mm -hmm. bit, yeah. Interesting, because I, I just realized I don't fully know what that word means. Yeah, I think that's what it means in German. Um, but yeah, so that's the, and then there's there's the um, Jeopardy round, which, you know, the you can earn, um, there's six categories and five levels, and you can earn, you know, you, you um, whoever selects category selects it first, and then there's a you know, buzzer competition, essentially, um, of who can buzz in the fastest and answer correctly, um, and then you get control of the board. And so there's single round, and then there's double round. I mean, the addition is there's, if you land on, you know, uh, you're lucky and you land on what's called a, uh, a daily double, then you get to, like, wager some of, like, your money or your points that you've earned because mm -hmm. each of the question, uh, questions you get correct gives you money. And, I mean, they, well, no, I guess it's actually real money in the end. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and then you follow with a final Jeopardy round where everyone gets the same question and they have to bet money on whether they think they've got it right. What's the strategy for the size of your bet? Oh my God! There's for, actually right? so if you were to go, you mean for daily doubles or for for, for the the is it Final Jeopardy? Final like, Jeopardy, yeah, the yeah. Final Jeopardy. The so last. there's actually like so there's a really super expansive um, uh, website called J Archive that you can go to and look up the history of every single game that's ever been played. It'll show you the board. It'll oh show God. you the questions, the amount. It'll show you who played it. It'll show you how much they get right. Um, and they actually have a wagering calculator. Um, where there's a whole system. I mean, of course there is. Like, this is like, yeah. people who are on Jeopardy are just total nerds, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like 100% people who are nerds, like loud and proud, and, you know, like that's that's who does this. So for sure, somebody created this website with like um, 
every tool you could want on it that's got its own like discourse its own vocabulary it's got yeah like things that i like coriat scores is a thing um it's like a specific the people who are really into jeopardy are really into jeopardy yeah i can imagine yeah like it's this you know this calculation that you can do to sort of um it as you're playing to kind of track what how much you would technically get right based Mm -hmm. on how much you know minus this thing and it's yeah it's real complicated so there's like a wagering calculator that you can go to there and um so did you so did my wager was technically a correct way one of the two correct possible wagers for my bet Okay. Yeah, for the situation I was in for my third game. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. What was what was the question in the third game? You mean the clue? The clue. Excuse me. Yes, okay. Sticking with the brand. So the way that the final Jeopardy works is, you know, you go through the the two rounds, and then the host will say your final Jeopardy category is, and then the category will come up. So mine was presidents and vice presidents. So there's all this like mathematical calculation you're trying to do in the the short amount of time you have, which is really. Uh, the commercial break like it's really the commercial break and to be honest math is not my strong suit um but it's fine and so you have this this time to look at what the other players have and what you have so like i had 8800 the other uh person next after me had 13200 and the person in first had 14000 so you're trying to calculate like okay if if i'm ron you know i have to bet to cover you know, Daniel. And so I'm going to bet this much, which is, you know, I'm going to bet 13,201 so that if I lose it and he bets everything, then I can cover it by a dollar. I'm trying to figure out, you can either try to bet high and hope that other people get it wrong or that the middle guy makes a small wager because he's got Mm 13,200. And if I feel more confident in the category, I would bet high or I could have bet nothing, which would assume, I mean, I guess that no one else bets nothing and they all get it wrong, yeah, yeah. right? Like there's, yeah, there's all a lot of, of game theory involved totally, in that. Totally, yeah. yeah. And so for me with this last game, I actually think, so the other thing that's on um, the Jeopardy website is like super detailed Jeopardy statistics. Like mm. it'll, you, like my game, you can, all my games, anybody's game, you can go and look and it'll show you like buzzer percent, percentage of times you attempted to buzz in, percentage of times you actually got in, percentage of answers you got correct, your total number. So like I am like a stat, you know, I'm into that kind of data yeah. stuff. So I, you know, I haven't gone and compared my games, but I think I think I played a better game. I think this is my best played game. Um, it's in terms of like buzzer attempts, buzzer percentage, correct answer. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my goals for myself playing this time around was to be more confident and be more assertive because I definitely, the first two games got um, kind of risk averse. You know, mm-hmm. I was sort of like, well, I got to think if I know it and then I'm going to get, you know, and I, I knew that with the gameplay with people who are already other champions, I just had to bring a better game, you know, mm. and be more. And you can see in my stats, my, my statistic I'm most proud of is that I was worrying, uh, I was spending a lot of time thinking about buzzer speed because it's buzzer speed, like it's, it's buzzer speed. Make or break, to, yeah. Yeah, it's makes or break. And in my first, which you saw, the first um, round, the first Jeopardy round, I got in 35% of the time that I tried to get in, which is, you know, about a third, right? <laughs> so yeah. there's three people. This um, double Jeopardy, I actually got in 65% of the time. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I think that's the right number. I have to double check. But, like, I feel like I made a real shift in terms of my playing in the second half where I, like, figured out a buzzer kind of um, strategy and was able to make it work. Yeah. Even it also just meant that I sometimes got in on questions that I didn't know the answer to because yeah. I was like, I'm just buzzing it aggressively, right? And then I was like, oh, oh, not wait, I'm in. I have to answer it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Shit. 
What was like the the energy of all the other contestants? Like, I'm assuming that you probably had downtimes where you all were in the same space hanging out together. Oh, a ton. Like, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure nobody was like really intense and like, oh, I can't talk to the other contestants. No, I'm sure everybody was super. Friendly, Not this like, time. So. No. <laughs> Did you have an experience like yeah, that where they were like, for sure, can't talk to kind you? Of. Yeah. Wow. And I heard from other contestants that they had also had experiences like that with like the super wow. serious players. Yeah. So people just like were so intense. They're like, I'm not here to make friends. I have to. Yeah. Like, totally. Wow. Totally. Big Brother. Not here to make friends oh. with Survivor or whatever. Yeah. Not. I mean, I would say there were definitely people who were like. So this time around, it's also just like the the logistics of the gameplay. Like a tournament was really different than like my initial tape day. So my initial tape day, they're gonna tape five episodes. There's you know um, sixteen or seventeen people there because they're gonna do five games and they have alternates in case something happens. Um, and you're really just there for a day, right? Um, and so. I got to know some people, you know, people I played against, people I kind of hit it off with right away, you can kind of tell. I mean, I'm not like a super intense type on, you know, I was like, I'm here to make friends, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. wow, cool, like, there's like people I'm definitely staying in touch with and visiting if I'm in there, oh, you know, I, cool. I, my first week, I, there was this woman, um, older woman, you know, like in her 70s, she's a children's book author, she's like written t like dozens of books, and, and she's from New York City, she's totally amazing really just connected we were only there for like the day like just the morning um but then we connected on social media and um i when i was in new york city last year like we had like coffee together and i'm gonna wow. go next month and we're gonna get dinner you know i mean we, that's like was, such a special little bond it really is there too that's yeah. so cute yeah i love that so not only did you leave a winner but you left with more friends I left with friends that's so cute yeah <laughs> but there were other people that i would say were real intense right mm -hmm. and i was like joking around a lot and you know yeah. whatever i'm not afraid to say if i don't know stuff and but there were other people who were you know i could think of one person in particular who was just really like i'm here to win and i'm here to bet big and you know um do you think they end up being the winners or do they end up well i played that person yeah um i mean the second <laughs> game and that person yeah i'm just kind of wondering you know, go when they come in with that attitude if uh, they're like well then, but i know. think what then happened at least if i think of a player of that type um then I don't know that you enjoy the experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like, unless you have the specific outcome, you know, it, then you're disappointed because you feel like, you know, you had this I idea about what the outcome was going to be that you can't predict no matter mm -hmm. how hard you work or study or plan because there's too many variables that you can't control in yeah. the game of Jeopardy. You know, how fast other contestants are, whether you get a daily double, whether you get a daily double that you're going to get right, whether, you, you know... Um, whether you can, yeah. So I think, I mean, that person in particular, I remember talking with after the game and they were just like so disappointed and like, oh, this is terrible. Mm. I'm so big, you know, I, I, I I'm not gonna have a watch party. It was just terrible. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Oh, I was like, man. you were in Jeopardy. Like, this is amazing. You yeah, should yeah. totally have a watch party. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. So I tried to not go into it with the sort of like, this is like a cool experience that I'm having and yeah. it's fun and, um, I get to meet lots of really interesting, smart people, um. You know, why wouldn't you just, I think I, I felt good about how I played, you know, I, 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 there were at least a couple of them that other like Jeopardy people came up afterwards and were like, man, none of us knew that one that you got. And I'm like, thanks. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the ultimate Jeopardy compliment. Out none of the, the other Jeopardy players knew. Like out of the players that you met, was it like, were you surprised by anybody's background at all? Because I'm sure it's like. Such a range. Like, I know you said the one woman was, she writes children's story yeah. books. How cute is that? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're a professor and like, I'm wondering like the range of people that show up to do this, you know? It's really interesting. Um, I, there are, my husband and I talk about this a lot because um, 
just we watched every night. And uh, so I think I think that uh, there are certain professions that lend themselves better to being good at Jeopardy. And I don't know if that's just like they're like with the chicken and the egg is there, right? Mm -hmm. But like, so like you see um, journalists and writers, I think represented quite a lot, um, and editors. And I think that's because like, for my husband was a journalist for a long time and you know, he's like, you just, you have to write about whatever they tell you to write about. Like you gotta learn yeah. it, you know? If they say go cover the tractor pull, you gotta go do that. And you gotta make it sound like you know what's happening. <laughs> you gotta go cover the art exhibit or the quilt show, you gotta do that, right? And depending on where you are, I think that's a, that's a job that you just, you have to pick, you know, pick stuff up. Yeah. You have to pick it up. You have to, and if you don't know about it, you got to read about it. And um, so, and the same with one of the people who was playing with me this time, Tamara, who was a, an editor at, I think, the University of Chicago Press, and is being someone who's just like, you read, you know, maybe you read in a specific area, science, but like, you, you're going to read everything that comes your way. And so you're just, you're going to learn, you know? Um, and so, yeah, there was, let's see, an editor. Um, there were a three other professors, I think. Okay. But the only reason I think for that is because they separated the Champions Wildcard into two tape weeks. Um, and the one I was in was the before the semester started. So I think I think a lot the of scheduling. The, yeah. yeah, the, the scheduling. I think that was yeah. like a, not a random sampling exactly, yeah. but just the people who weren't going to be in the middle mm -hmm. of the semester. Um, but during my first tape week, there were a couple of writers, people who... Or just people who worked in writing intensive fields, like marketing writing or journalist writing. Um, I don't know. I just think people, who, and, and then some explanation for that perhaps is that, you know, people who are, they're good at words and a lot of Jeopardy is like wordplay, vocabulary, um, books, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, let me think about who else. Let's see. Economics professor. Um, there. One of the age ranges, was it pretty diverse as far as like, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, even in the Champions Wild Card. So I think one of the winners from this week, he was maybe 23, 24, mm -hmm. works for the federal government and like a housing agency. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was Martha Bath, who was playing in my tape week, who won this season, but then had been on previously when Art Fleming was the host in like the 60s or oh, 70s. Wow. Like she's, I mean, she had to be in her 70s and she was playing That's so cool. in the in the quarterfinals. Um, oh my gosh. How fun would that be to do like an episode where they pull people like who did it like 30 years the ago. Oldest oh, yeah. living people. Yeah. 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 Like it's only like, the OGs or we find their grandchildren. We're like, oh, um, the grandchildren. Yeah. I actually think that's the Hunger Games. No. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Yikes. the third Hunger Games. Yeah, no. But it's, yeah, I know. And it's, and well, because for a long time they were a very specific, you know, Jeopardy was, really um, more, had more specific rules about like whether you could come back or not. Mm -hmm. Like you, you know, and it used to be before Ken Jennings, after you won five games, you guys don't remember this, but I do because I was a lot in the 80s. Like after you won five games, you were done. Like you couldn't, you couldn't oh. go on anymore. You just were finished. So mm -hmm. that was one of the reasons why there weren't like super champions up until like Ken Jennings, I think yeah. really, because it was prohibited. So. I have a, I have a history question. Is it? About Jeopardy? It's about Jeopardy, okay. yeah. Because yeah. yeah, so, if it's uh, just history, just I probably won't know it. Well, so, <laughs> so you made me think of this question when you said that kind of like the whole experience was a blur for you. Yeah. Has there ever been ever been like anyone who's been drunk on Jeopardy? Or where they probably wouldn't air it? Or has there ever been like a case where someone's like... I, I Well, that I don't know for a fact, but I can say that like that was part of the conversation. So when I did my first tape, tape day... Um, there was a couple guys who were there for as alternates and one guy was like a TV researcher, which was like a super cool job. 
Um, and he just, ha they often have someone who like lives in the area, right? And, yeah. and it is in case somebody like, um, why don't I mean, I, I don't think someone would show up drunk to Jeopardy. Like I think yeah. most of the time, like it's really hard to get on. And so like, yeah. a lot of people have been like trying for years to get on. Yeah. I don't think that people would like mess it up by being like, oh, I had a few drinks at the bar before I came here at <laughs> eight in the morning, right? You know, sometimes people like handle stress like differently. Like you it's finally possible, get it, you know? Right. It's yeah. possible. A shot in the car before they Right, just yeah. <laughs> some gummies or something. I'm, it's not <laughs> yeah. I feel like that you would be more know. likely. And they'd yeah. be like, I'm better when I'm, you know, I'm right, better right. I'm I take the gummy, really, like yeah. it's, all, it's all there. I feel so like it might you'd make up with, <laughs> you'd compromise reaction time perhaps with that, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> or someone gets sick, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, there, there was actually a situation during my tape day where um, one of the players, an older player, um, took a fall down some stairs while she was oh. going onto the stage. Um, and like, you know, she, it looked like she might be seriously injured. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was like this pause and then everybody had to like, they had to bring in like medical people and just to make sure she was okay. And she did end up like luckily being fine, but it was like, that might be a situation where like, if she had hit her head or, you know, they would have had to bring in the alternate. Yeah. Wow. Imagine how much work you put into like getting there and being in jeopardy. And then you fall on the stairs. Was really, that would really be scary. crushing yeah, it was and horrible. scary too. Yeah. But I, you know, after like finding out you're okay and like maybe you're getting medical attention, you're like, why? <laughs> why would this happen right when I was about no, to go? No, I know. Oh. It's. I mean, it, it ended up being. I think she then taped. Was able to tape later okay, that day. Okay, good. But good. I'm glad you she know. still got to do it. Uh, yeah. Well, so I guess that that does beg a good question of like how do you get on Jeopardy? Like, how did you get on the very sure. first time? How yeah, that so the process um, is pretty elaborate. Um, it's not, I don't know, you don't just walk in the door. Uh, so so they do what's called, because it's, it's a knowledge competition, so they need to make sure you have people on who know stuff, right? For everybody's entertainment and also for your own, like, you don't want to be the person who gets, like, eviscerated on Jeopardy. Mm. Uh, so you take the, what's called the anytime test and it's a 50 question, like general knowledge test with lots of different, you know, sort of just any, like, like, like you'd watch on Jeopardy. It's pretty much similar questions. Uh, it used to be that you had to actually go somewhere in person and like, like, you know, in the eighties, um, mostly like big urban areas. So if you were near, like you weren't near a big urban area, it was pretty much a lot of work to get over to actually take it. Um, but now they do the online really after, um, COVID, you know, they do a kind of asynchronous online anytime test. It's 50 questions. It's timed. Um, you have a certain amount of time to answer each question. You type it in. Uh, and then if you score high enough on that, which is, again, you can take any time. You, yeah, you take it. Um, <laughs> looking at you all. Petrified. Yeah. Um, well, let's just Shane, If Shane and I can put our two brain cells together, well, maybe we could both make it. But. So then that's why the second phase is you have to go actually on like a Zoom, like a synchronous Zoom um, call where you have like a lockdown browser and there's someone watching you take it, right? Like on the Zoom. It's a proctored test. It's a proctored test, okay. you know, just to make sure that you're not like doing that or whatever. Um, so if you get high enough score on that, then I call you for a third audition, which involves a Zoom call that's, it's not exactly a mock game. It's like kind of a, it's like you're there with other people. There's like, nine people total potential contestants and then two people from the contestant coordinator team and they're like just hold a pen and pretend like you're buzzing and and it's really just to see like can you function under sort of stress and can you communicate normally with others 
So like, you know, so like you sit there and they're like, okay, so we're going to have Holly and Jeff and Steve, you're going to go first. And then they project the board and they do the, like, I think one thing pe most people don't know is that when you buzz in, it has to be very specific timing. You can't buzz in before Ken's done reading the question and you can't buzz in before there's a, there's a buzzer guy who's like sitting with the writers when Ken's done reading the question, that guy presses the activation button so that your buzzers work. Um, and that activates a blue light, like around a bank of lights that's around the, the board. So if you buzz in before the light comes on, then you're locked up for a quarter wow. second. Which so, the, is, so the blue light is the that's cue. That's the signal. Yeah. But the blue light is triggered by the guy. <laughs> so yeah. um, so are, are you actually watching the guy kind of? You can't see the guy. You can't you see just oh, know okay. he's over there. Gotcha. Uh, well, that's what happened. That's why I think my buzzing percentage was higher the second I stopped looking at the lights. I just like decided to listen because I wasn't getting in. Interesting. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to try to time it with the guy, which that worked yeah. a lot better for me, actually. Um, but yeah, so then I forgot where I was going. You buzz. Did you oh, no, it was, well, we were asking how you got on the show. Right? Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Okay. So the third stage is actually then they have the screen like with the actual lights and everything and they'll call on you. Like you can buzz in once you see the lights. And, and then this is still over Zoom? Still over Zoom. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you play like a few sample, you know, um, board, you know, categories or questions, maybe eight or 10. And then they actually do like the mock kind of interview, like they try, you know, want to interview like how Ken does in the middle of the game. Oh, I forgot, I didn't mention that part. In the middle of the game between, or actually after the first commercial break, the host will, you know, ask you to tell some kind of a like funny little story or anecdote about yourself. And, and they're often really cringy and we actually never watch them at my house. Um, <laughs> I can tell you why. Like now I know why. Embarrassment or yeah. Oh god, no, totally. I am completely like a secondhand embarrassment person. I'm yeah. just like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. Now I know why they're embarrassing, which I can tell you. But like, uh, they, yeah. And I think it's, it was interesting to watch because on my third, that third audition, where it was like, I could tell there were people that I was like, that guy's doing a good job. Like he's talking about, you know, whatever, a normal thing and he's kind of personable. And then there'd be some other person who was like talking for five minutes about orchids. And I'm like, I don't, I think, no, you know, you yeah. gotta, you gotta like know how to like pick up the conversation, Bob. Uh, so I think they're, they're kind of like judging, you know, can we put you on national TV? Mm -hmm. You got the personality for it. They're, they're doing personality checks. Pretty much. That's what it sounds like. That's what it is, <laughs> yeah. And then if you make it past that round, in Jeopardy parlance, you're in the pool. You're in the pool. Mm -hmm. You can be in the pool for up to 18 months, which means that any time in the next 18 months, they might call you and ask you to be on. Wow. And so you just have to wait for 18 months. And if you don't hear from them, you can take the test again. Hmm. So hmm. I had to wait about uh, nine months, eight, nine months. Yeah. In the pool. In the pool. I was in the pool. I was here on my job interview when they called me. Wow. <laughs> really? Yes. Did you, did you bring that up like, I during the sure interview? I for sure did. Like, I was like Jeopardy. freaking out, right? Because I, like, yeah. I was like, I literally have to, like the search committee chair came up to me and, and I had just gotten, the, well actually, I had missed two calls I, because I don't check my voicemail. Yeah. And the search committee chair came up and I was like looking at a text that was like, hi, this is Laura from Jeopardy. We left you a couple messages. And I was like, oh my God. And like she came up and she was like, oh, is that your kids? Or what? And I was like, oh my God, it's Jeopardy. And like, what? And like, I turned out to be on Jeopardy and I think Jeopardy's trying to call me. So I just like, I need to call them right now. Right. And it was like right before I was supposed to go give my job talk. And so, so I was just like, Bleh. That's have, you, awesome. have you ever had anything else embarrassing happen during a job interview? 
I don't think that was embarrassing. I think it was awesome. Well, okay, so, so I, I, should, so <laughs> I, I shouldn't say it's embarrassing. Me, actually, right? <laughs> yeah. They're like, we were going to hire the other person, but this lady's not going to be on Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Well, yeah. If she's on Jeopardy, she's she's good. We yeah. should hire her. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Do I feel oh, like you want to tell me a story about something No, I, I mean, yeah, so in undergrad, yeah, I, I did have I did have one that popped up, yeah. But in undergrad, for our chemistry stock room at the university, I applied for a job and... Um, and so my boss, his name was Steve, like showed up to my class. He looked at my class schedule and like showed up. He's like, do you have time for an interview right now? And I was like, uh, sure. And I was like in like swim trunks and like a tank top or something like that. <laughs> Anyways, and so I like walked to his office and it was one of those cases where I was like, oh shit. And I, and I had a bloody nose and it was like a perf- all of a sudden this profuse like it was because I did a bunch of cocaine before. Yeah, really. right. Um, oh no, as one does. Um, no, but uh, yeah, and so I had like blood pouring out, oh, and great. so I did my whole interview like yeah. with like a wad of stuff in there, and I but got the that's job. Kind of a testament. They were testing your sort of like, can you remain calm in an emergency situation? I suppose, yeah. yeah or awkward. Yeah. They're like that guy. He held it together. He didn't yeah. be weird about it. Yeah. What, what about you, Lauren? Do you, do you have anything? I, ever I don't weird think that I personally. I've not had something bad happen in my interviews. Um, not to toot my own horn, but I'm very good at interviewing. No, so most that's of the time, a hard skill. It's uh, it takes time to learn it, but I did a lot of practice. Um, so that's one thing I'll tell students when we're talking about like career fair and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you literally need to sit there and look at all of the common questions and type up your own answers and then practice saying like. Because it's a performance. Interviewing yep. is a performance, right. and it's it is about like showing your personality and being personable. But you're performing. It's not like a regular conversation. Um, I've actually interviewed people before, though, and uh, I've had some weird interviews before, yeah. for sure. I've been part of things that interviews that I didn't organize that I had to just walk into that were very ill prepared. Not right. the candidate, but like oh, the person no, yeah. hosting the interview didn't do a good job, and then it's like really awkward. Um, I've been part of interviews where people were too familiar with the candidate. And this yeah. was a situation where they were too familiar to the candidate to the point where they were being rude to the candidate mm. in the interview. And I didn't know like the situation and how they knew each other. But apparently it wasn't like good background. But I'm sitting there like in shock of how right. like rude people like the other people of the panelists are being. I got the background story later. But probably the weirdest interview I was ever part of was a guy um, that was interviewing for position years ago um, at a place I worked, and he literally told a story about how he got super drunk and was like publicly indecent and lost his previous job. But don't worry, because he had to rewrite his frat's constitution because of that experience. Mm, really learned. So he learned his lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all like, what? Okay. <laughs> Maybe not. Not something you should share in an interview, but what was crazy is one of the other people on the interview panel with me was like, I don't know, I thought it showed really good vulnerability. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, I mean, um, I can see that point of view, I suppose. Do we need someone vulnerable in this position? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I've had some interesting experiences, but nothing bad, nothing really bad in my interviews, which yeah. is good yeah. so far. <laughs> yeah. How, how, how do you prepare for, how, how do you train, especially like, how did you train for the champions thing? Because you kind of already knew what to expect. Like, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, I would say I, I, I tried to learn what I could from the first time being on, you know, about what my weaknesses were. Um, I'd say I knew that I needed to get more confident in the buzzer because I would second guess myself. I mean, I think that's 
maybe a little bit of an academic mindset too, to be like, well, it could be this, but maybe that, I don't know, right? And so I had to sort of like really practice training, not just like hanging around and only clicking in on things that I knew for sure. Um, So I really wanted to make up a a better system, you know, where I told myself like, I'm going to just, and in fact, my husband and I did approach it kind of systematically. Like we would play along with games and he would keep score and I, and we, he would say, okay, just guess everything that's in the top two rows, like buzzing on every single one. And if you don't know it, you don't know it. But like, if you do know it and we'll see how it works out mathematically, and doing that made me realize that like I, I was right more than I was wrong, right? So mm-hmm. it paid off for me to, to do that, in. to yeah. always buzz in on the first two rows. Yeah. Um, but I would not have thought about that the yeah. first time I was on. Um, and then sometimes during the game, I, the, you know, you watch the game, like the like the Holly's comment question that yeah. I got where I was like, I did not know the answer. <laughs> like, but I was was surprised to find myself buzzed in, Uh-oh. right? Yeah. And that happened on a couple. And like one, one time it worked out and I just guessed the right thing a couple times actually. Um, the Enigma one, the art ones where it was just like, I don't actually know anything about art. But, um, and then there was a couple that I feel like I was like, well, that looked stupid. But yeah. yeah, so I mean, so that definitely thinking more about strategy and more about gameplay, I think that was the biggest difference was the idea like I'm not necessarily... I knew I had to sort of study and try to memorize some things that I was, um, that are not like a really deep cut in my, even, or even a shallow, like my knowledge base. I mean, I I worked a lot on countries and capitals. I worked a lot on um, presidents, American presidents. is there a lot of president questions? Well, it was my, ended up being my was final that? Jeopardy one. Yeah. What yeah. was the question? Do you remember? Yeah, it was. Or the well, what was it the prompt or what is the it category called? was presidents and vice presidents. Okay. And it was basically really the question was who was the who were the first what what state what was the state okay so it wasn't a question this state is um, was the first outside of the thirteen original colonies from which a president and vice president both came, were born in. And so, like, what, you know, it, you can uh, you can approach that a couple of ways, right? You can be like the guy I played against who was an encyclopedia of knowledge, right? Who afterwards was like, well, I was thinking through, you know, Van Buren, uh, Tyler Polk Taylor, da-da-da-da-da, like, in his head, you know, trying to run through, like, where everyone's from. <laughs> I was like, I, I wasn't thinking any of that, right? Like, I don't know, I don't know any of that. Like, I, 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 the question itself was I knew I could eliminate... 13 colonies, right? I was like, yeah. okay, there's definitely not those. And there's probably only like seven plausible answers, honestly, yeah. right? As far as like- All this is going through your head has in like to. a split second. Right, well, you wow. get do you get the music, do, yeah. do, 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 right? Um, and, you know, so you just, on that one, you know, a lot of them, you just have to like take a guess, you know? I mean, my guess wasn't right, but actually no one else got it right either, so. So funny thing about presidents, um, and this is funny because this is going to bring people back to the episode that Shane and I did. Um, I just learned this recently. So the episode that Shane and I um, did, it was the third episode, I talked about how I recently fell off a roof. Um, oh. Yeah, so you just listen to the whole story. It's, it's good. But um, I didn't know this, but I met up with some friends who were with me that night because mm-hmm. when I fell, I was like out cold and like it was That's a horrible. very, it was a big experience. But um, apparently the EMS were asking me questions to make sure I was like lucid because right? mm-hmm. they ask you like your birthday, blah, blah, blah. Apparently they asked me who the president was and I immediately said Obama. And then I was like, wait, no, his sidekick, <laughs> his vice president is, is president now. <laughs> but immediately I was like, Obama. Yeah. And I was like, why did I say that? <laughs> it's the first president that popped into my head. So. That's pretty funny. 
he was president for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was funny, though. I was like, really? I said that? <laughs> but it also might have been because, you know, you had yeah, brain You could be a right. You had traumatic brain you know? injury. Yeah. It hit my head yeah. a little bit. Imagine if I had lost my memory and I was just reverted back to when Obama was president. <laughs> I had no memory. Your whole life that way. And there'd be some really great things that you would be cutting out of your memory, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I could think be a way it. to protect my mind, right. you know, like... Yeah, but I wouldn't remember I worked here. Like, what, what would they do with me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just start over. That'd start all the way over. They'd be like, go back to admissions. <laughs> Wait, did you work in admissions before I've this? I've worked in admissions at other places oh, okay. a few times. So they'd be like, well, at least we know how, you know how to do that. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I don't know. I, oh, so I, I always forget to say the views that the, the views that we share in this podcast don't necessarily reflect the views of Michigan Tech. So with that out of the way, I have a question for all of you. Are you ready? All of us. Are you going to answer it too? I suppose, yeah. Okay. Um, if you had a presence, are you, are you aware of the dark web? Mm-hmm. Like that it exists? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've watched Criminal Minds. Yeah, so <laughs> if, if you had a presence on the dark web, what would be your alias? That's too hard to think of right now. You mean like yeah. a name? Like a... Yeah, like, yeah. That's no. such a that, like. It, sorry, so I like should have pre-asked that like question. Like a screen yeah, really. name or like a. So this is the yeah. same as like, like your handle. This, this yeah. Is so like yeah, your Twitter handle or something. Yeah. But it has to be like dark web. Well, I don't know. I, I asked my students about it um, today in class, and they thought it'd be really funny if like it was just your legal name and then like hashtag <laughs> and then your secu- your social security number or something like that. Well, you would probably want to pick something that <laughs> isn't anything that somebody. Would I, think I know. Of yeah, you. it's a real. Well, like, it couldn't even be an interest of yours. Like, let's say your favorite artist is Taylor Swift. You don't want that. You want to do something that's so out there. The opposite of, like, Like Metal Mayhem 35. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, maybe, like, Gunslinger something. Like, because I don't have guns, and I wouldn't, people wouldn't assume I have guns. I'd pick something really niche and weird that is so opposite of my personality. That's what I would do. And I can't come up with anything right now, but, yeah, Yeah. no. Because then nobody could track and be like, oh, I know that she likes that. Yeah, I heard it on her podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Falling off yeah. a roof 40 feet. <laughs> yeah. That's your password. Yeah. That's such a... What would your be? Uh, I would... Yeah, I would... I think now my psychology would be I would have to go like the opposite of the opposite and actually go really obvious. And so it would be like uh, like Pizza Lord 93 or something along those lines. Yeah. Sure. Pizza Lord. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I would just call myself Charcuterie Board. Charcuterie awesome. board? Four, three, two, one. I don't know. Yeah. What the hell Someone's is charcuterie board? Have you ever had a charcuterie board? board? It's a it's fancy like word. Crackers and cheese. And oh, like, I just yeah. didn't know that had a fancy name. You've never. What is charcuterie board? What yeah. is charcuterie board? Okay. Wow. Knocking on your door. We have a charcuterie board. I uh, thought my office hours would be okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think. Well, I don't know. What's your yeah. practice? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it was Sarah wondering where those pictures came from. Yeah, oh. really. Yeah. Coming to tell you. Yeah. Some stranger sending me cat pictures. You need to experience a charcuterie board. I've 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 had I've like, like I've, I've had to, one. I just you need to experience it now that you know what it is. No, 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 I know its name. Like, mm, Will that change the experience for me? I just I don't, I don't know. know. Wittgenstein said the limits of my language are the limits of my world. So yes. Oh yeah. I have to I have to take some. You should have told me that quote beforehand because I got to digest that. This <laughs> <laughs> blew your mind. Yeah. You didn't yeah. know you were having a charcuterie board. Yeah. yeah. I uh. Yeah, words are weird. Like. Words are weird. Well, like. So, with a like a so I have a three and a half year old daughter, and uh, just knowing like for every one word they speak, they can understand like a mm-hmm. hundred words, and so it's like crazy like the things that they like understand. And 
But speaking of words, I, normally I've got my like signature question that I ask, but I have another question I want to ask since that since you are very acquainted with writing. Mm. What what uh, what books are you reading these days, or what do you what do you what do you recommend out there? Those are two different things. Yep. So two questions. Sorry. <laughs> um. Right now I'm reading. Uh, well. So to be honest, not to go back to Jeopardy, but just to say, I'm glad to be able to just read the things I want to read. Like, yeah. like I felt like I was having to just only read things that were going to give me knowledge for Jeopardy. Uh, yeah. And so now I've just been reading like some like fun fiction. Um, I, I randomly got a book off the thrift store shelf by William Kent Kruger, who's a Minnesota mystery writer. And I read one of those, and I, he's, then I was like, there are 18 of these. And so now I'm going to read oh, them all. Oh, no. I love mystery series. I mean, I love yeah. I love mysteries. I love I love series. I don't know if that's just like a trauma response or what, but I just love something where I'd be like, I know these characters. I know how this plot's going to yeah. work. I know how this writer's going to be. Um, so that, I started, I um, when I was at a conference um, a couple of Novembers ago, a writer came and spoke. I, now I can't remember his name, but um, his book's called Solido, and it's about... Um, Tra uh, migrating to the United States um, from Ecuador, from Latin America, um, but without his parent, and basically as an unaccompanied minor, um, and getting sent through with um, some other adults that were being led by a coyote, and like he was like ten. So wow. hmm. it's just this kind of like memoir of his. Of Wait, his... is it a true story? It's true. Yeah, yeah it's a memoir. Interesting. So, so he's, he he was interviewed at the conference, and I was like, that sounds really interesting. So. Huh. Yeah. Lauren, you, you said you were like going to quit your job to take time to read this book. That you're what, what book? Yeah, no. What book are you expecting? It's, uh, well, I love fantasy books. Yeah, like, good. big, fan and I know what you mean by like having a series because yeah. then it, I understand that because you get like so attached to the mm -hmm. characters. Yeah. And it's funny because when I talk to people about books, they're like, oh my God, I don't want to get into an eight book, and they're huge books too. And I'm like, I love that yeah. because then I can immerse myself in the totally, world. Totally agree. And honestly, I never really fully come out of those worlds mm -hmm. either. You know, mm -hmm. like Narnia is still like so mm -hmm. ingrained in me from my childhood. But I read um, uh, books from Sarah J. Mass, and she has like three different fantasy series. Mm. Some you either love them or you hate them. Some people are like, this is too simple fantasy. And I feel like it's just very accessible. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you sit down, and I've also read the whole Witcher series, I love the Witcher. Oh, okay. It is just way more wordy. Um, and I hate to say this, but I will not read J.R.R. Tolkien. I just won't mm -hmm. sit down and read it. Yeah. No. I love the stories, Same. but I can't, the writing style, and it's, I know it's a thing of its time, yeah. but like, I do appreciate that there is like, easier fantasy and it's still complicated. The world building is a lot. Yeah. I've read the books twice and I still don't remember everything when I reread them. Um, so I really like that it's like accessible, but there's so much hmm. and it's, um, I don't want to say anything because if there's anybody who reads the books, I don't want to spoil it, but I guess what I can say. What are say, the three different series about? Uh, well, there's uh, Throne of Glass and it's kind of like lost princess, like doesn't know her destiny. She hmm. actually turns into an assassin, but then oh. she finds out, you know, it's cool. really cool. And then it's like murder. It is murder mystery actually. You'd really like, there's a huge mystery How do you spell it? Moss, like M-O-S-S-S? No, it's M A. A.S. Okay. Sarah J. Mass or Mosses. I don't, some people pronounce it differently. Um, Crescent City is another one. And the third book, that's the one I was telling mm -hmm. you about, is coming out next week. And I wish I had taken time off work for right. it. Just read it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's yeah. coming in on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and that one is also huge. All of them are very mystery, like discovery, like trying to figure out what's going on. That one is more like, it feels like steampunk fantasy because mm -hmm. there's cell phones and it's like based in, everything is about like 
realms, worlds, portals, which is what I love about fantasy because mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. uh, the Witcher series is like that where there's yeah. like all these worlds colliding and there's all this, that same theme is in a lot of fantasy. Um, but it gives you a lot of opportunity to wonder if the storylines are going to cross over. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. So, I love that. I also yeah, like fantasy. Yeah, but then when I finish the last book for this new book that's coming in next week, I, I have very emotional reactions to like these stories because I'm so into them. I stood up, I screamed, I cried, I threw the book across the oh, no. room, and I just had to sit there for a minute. I immediately called my brother because he finished it before me, and he's like, I'm in bed. And I'm like, but I have to talk to you right now. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you That's just need awesome. to talk to someone about your book. Yeah, so you'd probably really like it if you like okay. that. Like, I'll check it out. And they're easy reads. It's I love fun. I, I love young adult. Yeah, reading. Oh, I mean, love these. I, yeah. yeah, that's I've I've done it all. I love mm -hmm. to. Well, I always feel like I've read everything that's like really good out there. So I'm always like so happy mm -hmm. when I hear about a different series. Yeah. yeah. What are you? Oh, oh no. What are you reading? Uh, <laughs> Well, actually, right now I'm I'm reading World War Z. Oh, yeah. Right, you loaned me that That's book. Such a good um, one. Yeah, you know, I I like I like it. I guess I so um, so the idea is that the book is like a bunch of different like short stories that are like stitched together to kind of make larger narrative. Um, and at first, I wasn't sure how I felt about that, mm -hmm. like because you can't really get attached to a character or something like right. that. Um, but I'm starting to actually like get more into it some about three quarters of the way through okay. um so yeah so that but i i had to take a break from reading that book because my wife had get um had got me this uh, book for christmas it's um, by adam savage from mythbusters you know mm. um and so it's um called every tool is a hammer and, it, and it's funny because i actually i learned that i was going to get this book before christmas because over christmas break i was like talking to my wife sarah and i, I said I think I'm going to write a book about like making philosophy and stuff like that. And I was like, had all these ideas and she like got like this look on her face. And I'm like, what, why, why do you have, like, I was like pitching all these ideas. And then she eventually told me, she's like, I literally bought you a book that oh, is like, is that, all, yeah. is that, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so Adam Savage, so I know he's like mostly known for Mythbusters, but he's actually like an incredibly talented like maker and he makes like props for movies and huh. things like that. And, um, just a big geek about all things making. Um. Can I ask about this? Like, so this is something that is, I would say, th this term maker and like yeah. making and like maker spaces. Like that is fairly recent. It's a rebranding, I guess, yeah. of what arts and crafts. Or what? Well, <laughs> well I, no, I would, really. Like, I know, like, seriously, I did a project in the Plexus Lab with a bunch of high school students, and I was like soldering for the first time, and I was like, this just feels like arts and crafts right yeah. now. Like, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So, a maker is a rebranding of just someone who creates things. Yeah, okay. Right, so, and it's actually, um, it, it, it is does kind of a little, it kind of annoys me a little because um, it was actually a real branding thing. So like Make Magazine came mm. out and it was this branded thing and then they started like spinning up these. like a marketing effort, yeah. Yes, and then it actually became the term for people who like to tinker and 3D print and do electronics and all that oh, stuff. Okay. So, so there's, so, but there's an element of like tech maybe attached to it. Not necessarily. So like a maker could be like making cosplay costumes yeah. and things like that, right? But I wonder if it like turned that direction because of like, tech making like 3D printing and then I'm just curious about the history of the word like then did the word spread to mean things like yeah yeah I, yeah, I think whatever yeah I think the the magazine was really big for a while it's, I don't think it was as big as it used to be because you know internet and stuff like that but um yeah I'm not I'm not really sure but you, you are right it's been like in the last like 
15 to 20 years that the maker term has mm -hmm. become a big thing. But yeah, yeah I, I, I just, um, that was one of the things that I want to do in my book is actually like um, have a disambiguation about makers versus engineers versus crafters or whatever. Right. Like what, what that falls and right. I, I kind of think like the term maker is making more for the sake of making. Whereas like an engineer is like, you're always like trying to solve a problem and like trying to do it exactly right. Where like makers kind of more of a fusion between like crafting and art and do you get what I'm saying? There's more creativity to yeah. it than like agenda. Yeah. Like I have to do X, Y, Z. It's like, yeah. let's see what we figure out along the way. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe less directly practical, like a lot of, um, like, well, two things. First, not a lot of people are making things for the purpose of using them for something, yeah. right? Like the yeah. utilitarian value. And then um, maybe less gendered, right? Like I think yes. there are certain kinds of like, oh, you build things with Legos and yeah. Tinker Toys and then you make quilts. And I mean, their maker seems to be a kind More of... More homogenous. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I never thought about that. Yeah. Do you do any making related stuff make all sorts of stuff but it was not like um we didn't call it that. you were under that I mean, brand yet no, I wasn't, I'm still not in the brand yet yeah, yeah. um i left embroider um enjoyed. like hand embroidery mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i love hand embroideries that say like funny things yeah like it's, it's all beautiful and right, floral and, and it has like, like fuck the world or something some, yeah something like that <laughs> or i really want one made i want to learn how to do it i have like a little kid at home and i just don't sat down and learned um one of my friends she loves to say um, Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss, and it's just like it's just a joke. It's so funny to me. Yeah. She introduced yeah. that to me. Um, she's a little younger, so I was like, okay, I'm like uh, catching on to some of the lingo here. Yeah. It was so it's funny. Easy. So I want to get her like a little. Actually, I made her a candle for Christmas, and I hid gold letters so when she melts the candle, oh my God. she'll see that it says Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss on it. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm I I quilts. I like to quilt. Um, I like. I also just think. Well, okay. Is is making. To be a maker, is it like has to be a physical thing? No, yeah. I, I I would not say so. So yeah. if you do like poetry or something like that, I, I mean, I write songs on my Casio keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. every day. Yeah. I like to yeah. just make songs because I like to just make songs because it's fun to be creative and express things. You know, I'm surprised. Right. I'm surprised you didn't share that earlier. But so you you shared that on the show. Yeah. That you were, um, for or wait, does does Jeopardy now own the copyright to the to that thing that you said? Okay. Um. So. <laughs> You wrote songs to practice, right? Some, yeah. I mean, I was actually, well, I mean, I wish I could say that I'd written like a hundred study songs, but they're not all like that. Like some are. Like my, I feel like some of my really like good ones are like um, countries that start with G. Yeah. You know, um, there's a song about that. Uh, the I'm in, I'm I like my song about the Antilles. You know, yeah. the islands, the archipelago. Um, got a song about Eastern European capitals. Got a song about like football. Just, I write about football games sometimes. Teams. Um, do you have any? Do you have any songs about something that's really like a downer, like Vlad the Impaler or something <laughs> along those lines? Um, no, I mean I, I have a lot. Of, I have. I'd say a, they fall into several categories, right? Like I have a, a group of songs. There's like right now I think I'm on like 58 or something. So like I have a group of songs about like my cat. Oh, you I know, that. I mean I have a group of songs about. Um, like everyday work things, like meetings and emails. I have a group of songs that are NFL related. Um, I have some songs that are about Christmas. My sister was requesting a lot of Christmas songs, so yeah. 
I, you know, just whatever. It, but the, so, so I actually, so I actually made a rule for myself. Like I made, I had a set of rules that I created for myself. I found this keyboard and I was going to write a song using every single setting and I have to use every single setting and I have to use them in order and I have to write it that day and it has to be about something that happened that day. Yeah. Like I can't like write ahead. Right. Oh, okay. So that's what I've been doing. That's a, that's like really beautiful. Like, ha <laughs> well, no, that's like beautiful, like habit building stuff. Like, like having that yeah, constraint thanks. in there. Yeah. Um, that's that's the thing I talk to students a lot. Really? Like, well, like, kind of like my habit building thing that you are literally seeing right now is I have to have someone to talk to for the podcast every Friday. Yeah. Okay. I don't care who it is. I'd like it to be as interesting as possible, but there has to be someone here. And the same thing like Tuesday. I'm always going to record an educational YouTube video. And so, okay. right. So just having that and sticking to it. Yeah. It's it's a. But I don't. I don't even think I think about that idea or talk about yeah. it with my students. But I probably should. But like, so t in your field, to what extent do you think it's important to talk about habit building? Like, obviously oh. you do. So why? Oh. Say more it's, about that. I think it's because people don't talk about it enough, and so I actually talk about it a lot. I want right. to start talking about it now. Well, right. What so like. Say? <laughs> yeah, so like, um, I I devised this whole system. You know what sucks? Okay, so, um, uh, so those, those are two separate, separate systems. Yeah, Your so system yeah, suck. so um, so I my system, <laughs> my system was dumb. Or my system was good, but before I had the system, I was really dumb. Yeah, and so during my whole grad school career. I was just really inefficient and didn't really have a system to really tackle problems mm -hmm. or like build habits or things like that. And I kind of have found afterwards that when you're all in a lot of stress, you can't build, an, at least I found for myself, I couldn't build a new system. I kind of had to drag myself through oh, okay. with what I had. And then I couldn't actually revise the way I thought about like self-improvement and stuff like that until there was no more stress or like, yeah, you know, you're like, just like triaging. Yeah, you just kind of get yourself through underwater. Yeah. Yeah. And so actually this system and it's, and it's on my website and maybe I'll link it, um, is, um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I played off the fact that I'm very, very intrinsically like frugal. Like I don't like to spend a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And, um, so like, even if it's something I want, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not like, it's, 20 bucks, I'm not going to buy that. And so what I did is I had this crazy system of, um, so I have a to-do to list app, so it's called Todoist, and on that, for every, for to every, to-do-ist, to yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you just eliminated the L in there. Yeah. Well, that's Why, for efficiency? To-do-ist, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, I think that's another branding thing, like I'm a to-do-ist by like using ah, the to-do-ist. Ah, list. I see, oh, like yeah. a maker, but also yeah. to-do-ist, okay. Anyways, and so... Uh, also, I use the Pomodoro system. Have you ever heard, heard of the Pomodoro? Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's, 25 minutes on. Yep, you work 25 five minutes, minutes off, then five minutes off, and then after like five Pomodoros, you take like a 25 minute break. Oh, wow. Anyways, um, and so I started like integrating these things, and I would pay myself to do them. I'd have a, I'd have a little spreadsheet, and so it was um, 10 cents for every to-do list task, and then 25 cents for every Pomodoro, and then I had like a couple like daily habits um, that would like be worth a little bit more. And so I, there, there's a whole bunch of things you could say like, well, couldn't you just game that system by having a bunch of stuff in your to-do list? But that's a good thing, right? right? Like yeah. having to like sit down and make like a more comprehensive to-do list is a good thing to do. Um, and, and you could say like, well, couldn't you do to-do list things while you're doing a Pomodoro? And yes, that's the point is to like sit down and say like, I, I kind of trained myself that I wouldn't do a Pomodoro unless I knew that I could 
work for 25 yeah, minutes. Yeah, on a thing, yeah. And then, and then it became the self-fulfilling prophecy where I would push the button and now that meant that I had to work or really focus for mm. 25 minutes. Like behaviorism. Scary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... Um, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, so I, I used that system for two years and it actually worked really decently. Um, and actually now the thing I'm doing is, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I've kind of, I'm trying something else that I'm only using the to-do list and making them every day. Every day I try and make them as comprehensive as possible, like things I need to do. And I've kind of been slacking a little bit, but the interesting thing is if I go to my website, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it and show you. Um, I put a graph of my productivity on my website, so you oh, can actually. Nice. So you'll actually be able to get a snapshot oh. and say like, "God, you're kind of slacking right now." Is there so like a comment can, function that we could be like, "What's up, Shane?" I, I, yeah, so you can see like the graphs. <laughs> like right now, I'm kind of. You can see the start of the semester oh, was yeah. that hump, and then. But, and so there's this whole thing about like the reflection of like every day I gotta like put that number in there and be like, oh, my students are seeing this and they're gonna think like, I'm like not doing stuff. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I could see the strengths and weaknesses of that approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's definitely strengths and weaknesses and it's not for everybody. Um, yeah, but anyways, so, so back to the idea about like talking about habits a lot. Yeah. Um, I try and make my class or my classes habits mm. right so the idea is uh i i when i i first came up with this idea um was to take my homework which is normally five problems and the idea was that you know you can just do a problem a day right. and get through it and instead i basically institutionalized that philosophy okay. by making one homework assignment due on monday tuesday wednesday and there's a one day grace period mm. so the idea is you could front load it or get you could pace done. yourself yeah. mm -hmm. but you can't procrastinate right right and so, um, and I've had a, I've had a discussion with other colleagues about like, uh, sh should we let students find their own systems for, you know, self-accountability and productivity and stuff like that? Or should we kind of like railroad them? And, and I kind I, what I, I think the beauty of the university is that professors all have their own takes, mm. right? And so you kind of, you're allowed to kind of push your ideology or, you know, you're, you're, your way of thinking and yeah so i'm kind of the force that's pushing to like here's a way to ha build habits and then others other professors might not be doing that but see if you can apply that same system you know what i'm saying I yeah i mean thoughts. i think there's like um uh I, I think there's some either middle ground or a reframing way of thinking about whether you're just sort of like get, um forcing students to do something or like making them find their own way, right? I mean, like, there's a developmental stage that students are in right now, which makes them um, receptive to certain different ways of thinking, right? So, like, I'm, like, I'm always, like, about here are choices that you can make. And so, like, it sounds to me like you're saying, here are some tools, right? Mm -hmm. And you can structure even within what you're talking about, like, oh, I'm going to do, you know, that... I don't know if it's forced habit building, but like yeah. a sort of like an opportunity for habit Suggested building. Habit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and with some flexibility to recognize that, you know, students have different demands on their lives. And yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, so I don't, I don't know. I, I'm really sensitive to the fact that like it, faculty have a lot of power over students' lives and I don't, um, and I don't particularly like when there's any kind of railroading sort of like do what I said because I said it and, yeah. you know, and so, um, because different students have different levels of flexibility in what they 
can do. So I, mm -hmm. I guess I feel like it's our responsibility to provide structured opportunities for students to learn habits, mm -hmm. but that those aren't then, you know, um, punitive, F, you know, or, or policing or whatever. In, yeah, that yeah. If a student, for some reason, that doesn't work for them or help them. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I noticed through this orientation this first fall um, was... I mean, a lot of freshmen are just really worried about the everything. They don't yeah. know that, like, you really don't need to be worrying about your senior year right now mm -hmm. when you haven't even started classes mm -hmm. yet. It's orientation. Um, but and when I used to go into high school classrooms, I would do sessions on, like, personal branding, goal building, personality assessments, and we would talk about them and how, like, different personalities can work in the workplace or work together or, you know, stuff like that. Um, one thing that I think would be really helpful is sometimes students are not taught simply how to use a Google calendar mm. or how to bookmark things. And right. so I think it is an, like, I wouldn't make them do this, but yeah. like this next orientation, I have the opportunity to have like an extra hour students can come see me aside from my regular presentation, which is just like word vomit and a ton mm -hmm. of info. And I'm going to have them all sit down in a computer lab and I'm going to have them look at their calendar, um, like their schedule. And I'm going to teach them how to put things in Google calendar, yep, how to make a repeating be. event, um, how to bookmark things and how to group bookmarks mm -hmm. and like all of the even how to use their drive And if they don't use any of that, that's fine if they have other tools But from what I learned um, at a previous school that I was working at when I had a group of student ambassadors that I was managing um, And they worked anywhere from like 10 to 20 hours a week That was their first couple of days was getting organized and mm -hmm. it was not just yeah. for my for the work They were doing for me, right? I had them put their classes in and right. some of them were necessarily pushback and they're like oh, I already have a calendar I'm like that's totally fine this is for me so this yeah. is part of your job you're getting paid to put this in your Google Calendar so do it for me share it with me because then I know what your schedule is like and after they would do it and after I would teach them how all these like little tools they'd be like oh See my value. god this yeah. is so helpful right. Right. or or sometimes they want to use both calendars like I have a handwritten one but I also want this Google Calendar yeah. and it's because like a lot of times people will feel apprehensive to try something that is outside of what they already have going yeah. on. Yeah, they've got a system or a structure that, that, that works yes. for them, but maybe not in yep. the best possible way. Well, yeah, and they don't know, like, um, oh, this could make things even easier for me. Because sometimes people have this idea of, oh, if I have to learn something new, that in itself is more difficult, yeah. learning something yeah. new versus just doing what I've or always done. Or it's another task I have to do on top of my other things. Exactly. Yeah. But then if you try something new and then you realize that it's, like, way better than your current system, it could cut down time for mm -hmm. lots of future yeah. things. I think that's you know? right. Yep. Like, even showing, um, one thing is I had showed somebody how to create a repeating event, so, like, on your calendar. Yeah. So it happens and you can yeah. give it a deadline, all this stuff, and they're like, oh my gosh, I was going in every week and trying to put in every single thing. And yeah. I'm like, you don't got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think that encouraging the habit building and showing them is uh, really great. But like, I wouldn't force or tell them like, you have to use this. Yeah. It's the only well, way we do it Right. Here, I mean, you know? I, I do think that people that um, fac professional, you know, whoever, faculty, staff, people in the workplace who've been like using technology for the purposes of organizing and learning all these streamlining processes make a lot of assumptions about what they think every student already knows, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's, um, I mean, it's our job to like help students learn those tools yeah. and use, you know, adapt them. I, I kind of go in assuming that they don't know anything. Yeah. Um, when, if I'm like training, I used to train people and stuff like that. And I would, 
first of all, I would have them physically do it. Like if I'm teaching somebody how to use their calendar, I'm not going to click through my own calendar and be like, that's how you do it. Yeah. I'm like, here, pull your laptop and out. Yeah. And students could attest to this. I'm sure students could tell you, yeah, I met with Lauren in the first couple of weeks and she made me get my calendar out. She made me put mm -hmm. my laptop out, showed me how to do all this because I could just do it for you. Or I could show you how to do it yourself so that the next right. time, you know, you, I'm happy to have you come to me, but I'm going to help you help yourself too. Um, and yeah, I think that that's important too, is not just like, that's the one thing when it comes to like teaching, learning, like training someone, if you just talk at them instead of, and that's why like our classes and all the labs we have, it's like actually applying your skills. But same thing, even with like habit building, if you're just like, this is how I do it and that's it. And then you don't like physically have them do it. It won't, mm -hmm. it won't sit in their brain. Same thing with my orientation presentation. And I'm like, I don't expect you to remember any of this. Because yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you're hearing me and I'm just blabbing at you. We're not doing anything together. Yeah. Yeah. So the the book, and you know, I, I almost thought about, um, Holly, you, you probably have this because you've been a professor for a while too, is um, that wasn't like a slight about your age. I hope you didn't. Oh. <laughs> I, no. I'm no, sorry. no, it's fine. Okay. What? Yeah. No. no. Uh, so. I'm a normal age for so. doing the thing I am doing. So you are the age that you are. That's so, how age works. Um, <laughs> so you are uh, the age that you are. Have you, <laughs> uh, you've had students that have came at the end of the semester that aren't doing well in your class and say like, is there anything I can do? And, you know, usually my thing is like, well, like you could do all the work. We call that a Herculean effort, right? And there's a reason why we spread it out across an entire semester because you're probably behind in all the rest of your classes. I don't want to make assumptions, but normally that's the case. Yes. And so I, you know, usually my advice is to find the class that you can do the best in or the classes and it's, but anyways, and maybe that's not the best advice, but <laughs> the other thing. There is no one best advice because yeah. all sorts of yeah. students have all different. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is like, I've almost, so uh, the book I read after getting my PhD, which I should have read way before, um, <laughs> was um, this book called Atomic Habits. You've probably seen it. It was, it was nope, like a bestseller. Anyways, I'd, I'd recommend it. It's just basically about how to build habits and like how to how to build skills and all that stuff and like how to set up these systems. Anyways, and I kind of want to make that like, okay, you're not doing so well in the class. I realize this is a digital logic class or a microcontroller class, but since you're not doing well, read this book and come and tell me about it and I'll give you some extra credit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so that, so not necessarily addressing the, the class problem. I mean, that the idea is to address the root problem right, right, right. and then yeah. you can maybe address the class. That's something, and maybe I'll start doing that. Now, so students are gonna listen to this and they're gonna expect me to do it. <laughs> do students listen to it? Yeah, some students do, I think, yeah. yeah. I just had somebody in my office who came down and they were chatting with me and and then they were like, so, you fell off a roof? And I was like, did you listen to the podcast episode? They're like, yep. Oh, <laughs> so they're nice. listening. It's part yeah. of the zeitgeist. The zeitgeist. It's, yeah. It is. Limo. Yeah. Limo is part of the zeitgeist. So, I think we should probably close up. Yeah. i got to ask you the last question. Um, what album do you recommend? Like, just, what do, you, what do you recommend someone listens to right now? After listening to this podcast, or maybe sometime later? What's What's... What's the album? I mean, Blood Sugar Sex Magic oh, by the Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers. I've yeah. been revisiting that. Uh, yeah. uh, that's the last thing I downloaded on YouTube. Yeah. It's like one of the greatest albums of all time. So yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what well, I'm that going makes, with. That make, huh? That's what I'm going with. That makes me really excited. You're gonna go home and listen to it. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Do you actually listen to all the songs and albums of people? I, ha I have not listened to all of them. Okay. I, I do listen to some <laughs> of them. I haven't listened to all of them, but I do have plans to like 
put together like a playlist. A playlist. Yeah, a playlist, yes. like a limo oh, playlist awesome. of like what people recommend. It's going to be so um, eclectic. Yeah, it's going to be extraordinarily eclectic. Like the, the last or two episodes ago, um, there was like someone recommended an alt rock album and then someone recommended like, it was like, a, I feel like it was operatic, like screamo type Something along those lines. It's called opera metal. Opera metal, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, really cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then um, I think uh, Tucker uh, Tucker on the last episode was Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, I love Gordon Lightfoot. I, I do love Gordon Lightfoot too, yeah. Um, and then Dennis was John Mellencamp, I believe. Oh, that John Mellencamp's so also good. Yeah. Oh, I also recommend um, Exile in Guyville by uh, Liz Fair. And. Jagged Little Pill by Lance Morissette. Just like stuff oh, I was yeah. listening Love to in 1995. Yeah. Liz Fair was like probably changed my life, honestly, yeah. that album. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you know who Enya is? You guys know who Enya is? Yeah. Right? I was, that's who I was yeah. listening okay. to uh, alongside those other ladies, probably. Yeah. yeah. I was at the DT like a couple weeks ago. I never go there. I don't really like that place. But I don't I'm know glad I was there that The night. downtowner. The downtowner. Oh, okay. It's some little bar down there, food, drinks, and stuff. But I was sitting there and somebody played on the jukebox on repeat. Um, that one Enya song. Or a really flow. One. Yes. And it was just at, like what four is times. Or a noco flow. It was four times in a row and I'm sitting oh, there. It's such a good song. And usually, like I said, it's not really my first pick of a place to go to, but I was like, I'm so glad I came here tonight. <laughs> this is because everyone's like, what's going on? Like, is that, snow, all these snowmobilers are like, what's going on? So that's on? like a pretty operatic y type song thing? Or? Uh, it's like classical music. She she did music for like the Lord of the Rings movies yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But it's like I'll have to send you the song. That was on the charts. I, I probably know the like, song. Yeah, it's like, like one of the top yet. songs. Yeah, I Once you know. hear it, you're like, Pfft. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a weird thing and to be playing at a bar at like eleven yeah. o'clock at yeah, night. Totally. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. That makes me happy. <laughs> it was good. Excellent. Well, Holly, thank you so much for giving us some insights in the world of Jeopardy. Yeah, and thanks for having stuff. me. It's nice to meet and yeah. learn more about you. Learn more. Yeah. I mean, I guess I learned a little bit more about your organizational approaches. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Cool. All right. Now we can follow your chart on your website. Yeah, well, right. you can get me crap if you happen to I'll look at it. it can we add bad. comments and just be like, what the hell? Is it a function? Can I, you I, I suppose I could add Is that. Is there a function? I could add that on there. So if you if you are ever interested and you do want to learn about me, uh, in, my, in my digital lot, if you don't want to, I, I'm not going well, to. Well, I don't know. There's just something a little weird, I feel like, of like learning about people just by their publicly available online well, stuff. Well, I... Okay, so real quick, the reason why but I have... the line between stalking and learning is, yeah. you know... Actually, the, the tag... Can be blurry. Everybody. The, yeah. The, <laughs> I put the tagline on my website, so it says like Shane Oblair, and it says underneath that stalking me has never been easier. Oh, I'm, and so I, mean, I think I do yeah. know that because I think I did go to your website. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> anyways, so I, ha I uh, so I have um, every semester my digital logic students. I um, have them like ask me a question, like an AMA thing, and so it's like an anonymous thing. And so now there's like there's like 700 questions. Most there's like 20% of them are like the same question over yeah, and over yeah, again. Yeah. But um, anyways, yeah, so. Anyway, so I could I could take that same thing and put like a dude WTF is going on with yeah, your like, productivity. Yeah, like what do you think about my productivity? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I okay. like the idea. Just don't tell my boss. Okay, all right. Oh, I do. Wait. Thank you so much. Keep it real, everybody.